Hi guys and welcome to episode four of our podcast. In today's episode, we're gonna look um, at bridging the gap between sales and marketing. So today our guest is Kosh Patel from Your Lead Machine. So I'd like to welcome you. Thanks for joining us today, Kosh. Cheers, Ross, thanks for having me. Really pleasure to be on this podcast. Brilliant. So um, firstly, it would just be great if you could just do a little bit of an introduction so uh, the audience uh, know a little bit about you and Your Lead Machine. Of course, yeah. So my name's Kosh Patel. Uh, I'm a director of Your Lead Machine. My business partner is actually my brother. So it's a family-run business. Uh, and we created the business to really bridge the gap between small to medium-sized businesses getting good quality leads and not having to pay the price that the big boys have to pay. Uh, because we often thought in the market that small and medium-sized business got left behind because leads are expensive. And that was the, the motive behind the business, really. Yeah, brilliant. Well, thank you for that. Um, and... In terms of um, the process, how does it work? How do you? What types of clients do you work with, and and what's the process? Yeah, so we really work with. I know it's quite generic to say this, but we work with literally anyone, um, as long as they've got the right intentions to grow. We see a lot of our work at the moment in the construction and trades industry. Uh, we have a nice process built in those industries. We also work with a lot of telecoms companies and digital marketing firms where we work in partnership or with them to help them grow. Um, I mean, so the process really is bit like uh, we'll sit down with our clients and we do a deep dive into their de- client demographics. So we'd ask them who are they currently working with, what is it they want to achieve and where are their best clients based, not just location-wise, where the turnover sits, where their staff count sits. And really, I think the first step of any good telemarketing campaign is getting the data correct. Yeah. I think if you don't have the data right, you're just barking up the wrong tree completely. And it really is, you know, as they say, build the foundations and then go up. And Definitely. So as a, as a telemarketing company, do um, where does the data come from? Do, you, do your clients provide you with the data or could you help people acquire the data? How, how, yeah, so often our clients do provide the data. So they may have databases from various companies or they may have actually uh, got the information from the, one of their own sort of mailing lists that they use in, in-house. Um, or we use a company actually called TDP Agency, uh, close contacts of ours, um, and they're a data house. So it's all GDPR regulated data. Once we do the deep dive demographic with our client, we then take the information away and then actually go back to them and they run a count for us, depending on how many of the account is available in their location, in their turnover bracket. We then go back to the client and then we come away with a number of records we want, depending on the length of the campaign, really. Okay, brilliant. And with um, telemarketing, how does it fit into people to, to your clients' marketing strategies? Do some of them use it? as a standalone marketing strategy? Do, some of, do they use it as part of an integrated kind of omni-channel strategy? So it's really interesting. So it completely varies. So we have clients in proven industries, I would say, that use telemarketing as a sole uh, marketing supply. So we would literally be the only form of marketing in the business and we are booking them appointments off of cold calls. But then we also have businesses that are in a more of a niche industry where I would suggest the average sale price is higher so they can push more into marketing where they may be sending out mailers or people are subscribing to them when they send out um, PMP campaigns or post mail uh, phone campaigns. Um, And then we would do the follow up call on the mail or the subscribers lists to book them in, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, definitely. And so why would you say, what would you say makes um, kind of telemarketing the phone calls different to other forms of marketing? 
I think with the telemarketing, you're directly going to get an answer, whether that's from a gatekeeper at first time, but you know, if you're good enough and you get around the gatekeeper or on the next call, because some gatekeepers are really good at their job. So you have to move forward. I think you get an answer and that answer may not always be a sale, but it can be really priceless to the business because as well as getting a sale or a meeting or a lead, you're actually subliminally doing market research at the same time. So you're speaking yeah. to your target market that you've spent time with us identifying. So really the only negative to come out of telemarketing is market research, which if you actually flip it, it's a positive because then you can increase your offering. Yeah, you can take what you've learned and adapt to it. Exactly right. Yeah, it's really interesting because obviously your target audience, you said, as you, uh, as you said, is small businesses. And uh, being a digital marketer, I don't really find uh, online marketing that is that effective with me. Um, but I do know if I, anybody comes out to me cold, it generally does seem to be actually on the phone. I, I try not to answer numbers I don't know, uh, but on the odd occasion I will. And then when I do, if it's a sales call, usually that will be when they get me. So I can definitely see how using the phone call um, as a way to, to reach people, especially business owners who are busy. Uh, I mean, because if you were trying to send me something on email, the chance of me reading it is probably very slim. Maybe unless you repeatedly followed up, but getting through on the, on the phone definitely works. And would you say... Um, uh, how many calls would you say it takes to you have to make before you can really get through to someone? Of course. So I think generically, there's this, I'm sure you've heard of it, the 14 touches to sale. Yeah. Um, I would sit around the six to seven mark. I think past seven, you have to respect your um, prospect as well. Um, I think if you push and try and make contact over seven times, it doesn't leave you in the best of light. And we've got to always remember that it may not be for them now, but let's not... Um, ruin our chances of a sale in the future and I think the good telemarketing companies and good telemarketers out there one thing they firmly is they actually respect the prospect now what I mean by that is as you say you're the business owner and getting through to you on the phone can be hard but when they do they have a conversation with you yeah it's by asking the question is this a good time to speak now a lot of people in the corporate world may tell you that that's not a good question to ask because you're giving someone a way out well if I'm going to be honest if they want a way out they go in to have the way out at the end. And so save time. your time yeah. and build, you actually get yourself some respect. The amount of people that turn around and say, I really appreciate you actually asking me. And they say, you know, I might get my sales guys to do this. Yeah. No, I definitely, I, I can I can definitely see um, how that can work. One of the, um, the things that we find um, with clients, and it goes to a point that you mentioned earlier about how sometimes you, you will do the follow-up call so that if people send emails and sometimes that we've got clients and all they'll want to do is communicate online and it's like actually and if they don't get a response they think it's dead in the water but actually uh, one of the services you offer and one of the ways in which you work with your clients is that you would then follow that up with a phone call and do you find those kind when that approach works effective exactly right so this goes to anyone really, you know, listening or yourself as well. When you get an email, okay, how often you can tell it's a mail chimp or a mail shop straight away, okay? And how often have you, hand on heart, honestly, actually picked the phone up and rang someone back? Yeah, never. Never, exactly. But how many times have you actually clicked onto the same mail shop from the same company, but their monthly campaign, so maybe for four months in a row, you're actually a little bit intrigued, so you keep clicking on it, I'm sure yeah, you... Yeah, 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 definitely. Exactly. So what we do is... It's a because with the new technology, you can actually see how many times someone opens a mail shot or goes on your website from it. It's about using that intel and not thinking that 
I'm going to let them know that I can see what they're doing and they might think we're being shady. Like big brother type. Exactly. Yeah. It's not that. It's they're in business. So they are aware of how these mail shot campaign works. So just being honest, say, look, I've seen you've clicked on it three times in the last three months. We actually haven't got in touch with you. Is there anything that you're intrigued about? Don't start selling to them. Ask them what they're intrigued about. And I think that really engages in conversation. And to be fair, with those campaigns, we can often find ourselves being on one call for 25 minutes, 20 minutes. And you know, if you've got somebody on the phone, particularly if it's a business owner or a decision maker, for 20, 25 minutes, you know there's a serious intent and serious interest there. Exactly. So once you get them on the phone, is usually your objective, is it uh, get them engaged and get an appointment booked in? Is that... so? Yes, that is the end goal. But I think where a lot of people go wrong, they go into the call with that intent. Okay. And I think a good business owner, director, decision maker level, they know when someone's calling of that intent, if that makes sense, yeah. because they've got guys doing the same thing. And I think they completely dismiss your call straight away. I think it's about engaging, building you know, that trust and asking a question that's relevant to them yeah. because they don't have the time diaried in their calendar they don't think at 126 today coach is going to call me you know yes yeah so you've got to make their four or five minutes you got the phone relevant to them because they could be doing something else and i think if you go to a direct sale they'll just dismiss you you have to ask a question that you thought about prior that may relay some thoughts with them yeah definitely and uh, that relates a lot to um kind of digital marketing campaigns that, that we we see and we run for clients ourselves is often they'll um, they'll want the sale clients come to us and they want the sale that comes from a sales and marketing campaign but they want it from the marketing element not realizing that marketing gets you so far up the sales process but then there needs to be the sale that needs to be done which is often if you're a business selling services that's often done in a meeting which is not going to be done by me or my team as uh, as a digital marketing company but it's going to need to be done in a meeting. And often they'll say, oh, this leads, they're not good enough or they're not that. And actually it turns out they're not being followed up enough or actually we'll look and it's taken them three days to respond to the lead, which we know is not going to work effectively, to which I can see is where the fortune in the follow-up, there's that saying that basically unless you follow up, you're not really going to see the quality of the leads. And I think by passing leads on to somebody like yourself to be able to follow up, as you said earlier, you get that direct response on the phone. Have clients of yours who previously maybe followed up without a phone call or did the phone calls internally, when they've come to you, have they seen an uplift in, uh, in the meetings that they've booked? Yeah, massively. And I think that goes down to skill set, okay? And yeah. I think it's like, you know, you can't play a defender up front in a football match, you yeah. know, because everyone's got their skills within a business. Now, with most businesses, people get their sales teams, you get your marketing teams. But they lose the crossover between. And I think the real sweet point is, let's say you get a digital marketing lead, okay? Yep. And a lot of them do, and, you know, it's a great lead. How often do you phone that digital marketing lead up where they probably aren't ready to speak to you or they're not available or, you know? But then you've got a sales guy sat on 45, 50K, wasting 10 minutes of his day, three times a day, following this one lead up. Yeah. Let's use the sales guy's time or the business owner's time, depending on the business size, Doing something that gives them the credit to do and what their skill set covers. Get yourself someone like us, another company, or your own internal telemarketer who can then follow up the digital marketing leads. Build a bit of rapport. So pre-sales call, there's a bit of rapport, there's yeah. some trust. You've asked a few more questions to engage them further than the digital marketing ad. Now all of a sudden you've got a 90% lead looking at 99%. 
The business owner or the sales guy is actually doing what they're supposed to do, speaking to a sales lead or a sales meeting, and not just doing a follow-up. Yeah, no, totally. I completely get it. Because I think that's... Um, I think a lot of business owners... Uh, don't see that they don't understand that there's many elements to the process and actually many skill sets digital marketing might be able to drive you leads but then you've got somebody who's got to pre-qualify them engage them keep that interest and as you say and then somebody who can actually who can close them because there's skill sets in separate speciality skill sets in each of those areas um so when you work with clients would you say there is a uh, how would you what's the best way in which a client could deliver leads to you do you have do you like them to have come from campaigns where people have opted in? What's what, what's kind of what would be your ideal set of leads a client could give to you? Ideal set of leads, yeah, you're exactly right. You know, in an ideal world, it, yeah. it doesn't happen often. Someone will have a list of three thousand people or companies that are looking at their content every two weeks, and they've subscribed and left their details. So they've gone onto your website and they've actively left their details. If we then can't convert that to a lead. That's on us because that should be very easy with our skill set and with our processes. Um, but really, it, you know, I think the self enjoyment in telemarketing is the coldest data. Okay. From a personal perspective, because it, it's that a good telemarketer is someone who, in my opinion, has been told through their life no, 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 and they've built up this wall of resistance. And I feel like if you're getting a success every, like the mailing list, list which is brilliant, yeah. you're going to get a lead probably every I'd say 20 calls if you know let's say 14 of them answer okay you would expect yeah to get a further conversation and I think the client expects that to be priced at a lower price point as well because they think that the lead is basically there yeah whereas when you're using cold data you can make 150 dials speak to 10 decision makers and if you book one from a self-achievement perspective of a telemarketer, they would prefer that campaign. From yeah. a business owner perspective, the best set of leads are, yes, your subscribers lists. Yeah, and so if you were looking at the subscribers list, one of the kind of bits of advice to business owners out there is to make sure that they're tracking the activity. So they've got the analytics, they're tracking the stats on how different users and how different prospects are engaging with their activity because that information is useful to a company like yourselves where you uh, where you can actually use that to follow up knowing that these their, their prospects have shown an intent and an interest in their services exactly absolutely prices i mean well i had a conversation not too long ago with a big legal firm um they had a inquiry site a page on their website okay um and in 16 months they had something like 124 unread inquiries because it was going to an inbox that they didn't know of so wow. my biggest advice forget marketing telemarketing marketing just make sure that wherever your traffic is being driven you've got sight of it because yeah. i think that's the first stage and then you can engage someone like yourself mr digital someone like us your lead machine or other firms to then act upon that yeah. I think a lot of people lose sight of it because they don't feel like it's important because they're doing the day-to-day in the business activities. Yeah, so no, I think that's a very valid point and a, bit, a good bit of advice for our listeners there. Um, one of the other things I wanted to touch on is, um, and I know through conversations we've had before you've spoken about it, and that's one of the beauty, uh, beautiful things about having the phone call is that you can get the tone. So you can, which is something you can't get through on email. I mean, it gets so, it's so confusing. Often people find on email. So how would you say that being able to understand someone's tone um, brings value? Oh, it's massive. You know, I think 
within the first five seconds of, you know, as soon as you say good afternoon or good morning and they reply, you know the tone. You, you should be able to tell the tone of the conversation. And it goes really three ways. You get your really friendly people who are up for a conversation. You get your people who are very dismissive. And you get your people who are, this is where people get confused between dismissive and direct. There's nothing wrong if someone's direct with you on the phone. It just means they haven't got much time. But some people get a crossover and they get hazy between dismissive and direct. If they've had a few dismissive people on the phone that day, the next direct person to come through, they're going to assume they're dismissive. But I think it's about understanding and once again asking the right question to understand the tone. And it goes further than telemarketing tone does. I see a lot of companies dealing with complaints via email. Like, what yeah. is that about? Yeah. You know, if they take another six hours to reply in that six hours, if their partner's been in their ear or their business partner's been in their ear, you know, write a review, write a review, write a review. Yeah. You're just leaving this opportunity for them to write you a bad review or, you know, and we know how important socials are these days. Yeah, definitely. No, I, I think that's a, that's a really good point of actually thinking about it wider because you can deal with an issue particularly as well straight away on the phone because and, and get it resolved rather than going going back and forth. Um, on the point of, of kind of regular communication, if uh, you speak to some leads and they say, oh, really busy, can't speak right now, uh, what happens? Do you keep them on the list, call them back? What's the, what's the process? That so you they say it? we're really busy and we can't speak right now. We just literally say to them, it's nice and simple. Okay, absolutely fine. We've introduced our product to you. Would you like us to call you again? Yeah. So we don't say we'll call you back because they might not be interested. The psychology of sales is that a lot of people, as, as we know, British people are very polite. And I actually read in a book once, it's one of the hardest countries to do telemarketing in. Because if you go in sort of Eastern Europe and these European countries, they will just tell you no. And they're not being rude. It's just the way they are. More direct. In Britain, yeah. people don't like saying no. You know, I think the whole queuing system across the world and, you know, in England, yeah. everyone queues. We're so polite. So instead of saying no, a lot of people say we don't have time. OK, you'd be surprised how many people say to us, I'm in a meeting and it's like, well, I've never answered a phone in a meeting. Yeah. And on that point, what's really interesting is that with email, if you emailed somebody because you wanted to connect because or you wanted to sell to them or whatever reason, and they came back with, sorry, now's not the right time. Contact me in a few months. You instantly feel, you can't help but feel, oh, they're not interested, rather than actually thinking, maybe now is just not a good time for them. But I suppose, and for, for you, if they say now's not a good time, you then schedule it in and follow that call up. Exactly right. So we diary it on our CRM. We have a diary process for all of our clients. So even if it's not your allocated calling day, we have time set aside in the day, we will make that follow-up call for our clients. And do you find that there is success with people who initially said, oh, not, uh, I'm, I'm busy, now's not the right time, and that actually when you do call back, that they can, they can convert? Yes, but I think it's once again asking that question, do you want me to call you back? Yeah. And, and then at that point, 80% of people say, no, I'm just trying to get your phone and laugh. Honestly, they would laugh because they know they've been rumbled, if that makes sense. Yeah. But the 20% of people turn around to you and they say, no, actually, I am interested, but I'm just, not, I'm just busy right now. And then we'd confirm a time and date and then we'd get off the phone as quickly as we can. And then, you know, for you, the next time you're doing your round of calls, you don't call back the ones who aren't interested. So straight away, your time is, 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 is utilised. Exactly. Okay, no, brilliant. I think it's, um, it's really interesting to, to, to discuss this because I do think that the, the, the phone call element is often missed and even, and particularly even the follow-up. So using it as part of a, an omni-channel strategy whereby businesses, uh, are, whether they're finding people from referrals or whatever, you add them to your CRM, you consistently follow up, but then making sure that there's that personal connection. Would you, when you speak to business on behalf of your clients, how do you um, 
how do you position yourselves? Are you part of the business? Are you a third party? Yeah, so we are part of the business, very much part of the business, um, depending on the size of the business and what angle the calls are going in. So we sometimes, majority times, we would be a marketing team. If someone asks us, you know, we're part of the marketing team here. Uh, But often there's a slight angle with different prices we use um, where sometimes we do what I would say more personal calls, but it's still in the form of telemarketing, but our process changes. So the person we're calling, they feel appreciated and basically we act as the PA of the director. Okay, yeah. So the appreciation of the call all of a sudden, you know, I've got a really busy day today, but Ross has actually asked me to give you a call because he wants to have a chat with you. He's got a ticket off my list. You know, all of a sudden they think, oh, wow, Ross is thinking of me. And this person's got one call to make today and they're making that one call to me. And it's a phone call which feels far more personal than an email which people feel could have gone out to 100, 100 other people. Exactly right, yeah. Brilliant. Okay, I think this is, um, yeah, it's really useful stuff. I think our listeners um, uh, will have hopefully learned some stuff today. If you had one piece of advice um, for businesses that are marketing at this particular time and maybe struggling to, to find new business or they've, they've, they've got existing clients or previous clients or they've got data lists, how would you, what would your piece of advice be to them? I think my first piece of advice would be pick up the phone to your existing clients, find out what you're doing right and find out what you can improve and ask for a referral. Okay, that's the easiest. It's low-hanging fruit. Get the low-hanging fruit and if you're struggling for business. But use the phone to do that. Don't go out and see everyone because, you know, you're struggling for business. And as you say, you get a response immediately, won't you? There's no sending emails and hoping somebody's going to reply. You'll know straight away if there's any... any exactly right. The pipeline. And then I think the, the other thing is, if you're struggling for business, don't stop marketing. A lot of people seem to stop marketing. I've spoken to so many people where the first people that go on furlough in this current mad times is the marketing team. Yeah. But how's your sales function going to sell if you're getting rid of your marketing team? I spoke to so many people in marketing that I've made fun. And I'm like, you are the main cog to get these leads to the salespeople. So I think keep marketing and just remember, ask questions. And another bit, bit of advice which is really important is don't ever be sorry for calling someone unless, and this is something that we, we stick by, is unless you're disturbing someone's day and they told you disturbing the day or there's a, you know, a circumstance out of your hands or just someone may yeah. have passed away or something then say sorry but never be sorry for making a phone call because it's not how the person perceives you're sorry it's how you mentally perceive the sorry yeah then every call off that in your head you're thinking oh, i'm sorry i'm sorry and you start thinking i shouldn't be doing this and psychologically you're just putting yourself on the back foot yeah no i can definitely get that i mean i've probably been in that position myself at times where you forget that actually what you're offering is a value and it's there to help them. And you instantly think, think because there's a bit of value for me as well, that actually I should be apologetic because I'm the one getting all the value here, even though I know actually what I'm offering them is because it's a good fit for them and actually will support them, make them more money, help them grow their business. So I can definitely relate to that. I think that is a really good piece of advice. Uh, so yeah, thank you very much for coming on, um, coming on our podcast today. I hope you've enjoyed it. You've been a great guest. Yeah, brilliant. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. It's been really good to have a chat with you. And I, uh, yeah, really good. Brilliant. Well, thanks, guys. Hope you enjoyed watching uh, this podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, and we'll see you on the next podcast. 